is finally over. Whoa. Ferociously entertaining. A dazzling escape. Wow. It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My, my, my Michelle Live. Hey. Thanks for hanging out with us and looking at some of the entertainment news and reviews of the week. Joining me in the quest for all things entertaining is the one and only author and commentator and all-around cool guy. We call him Plugged In Policy. Yay! Hey! I'm Policy. Here we are. Yes, getting us plugged in. Thank you, Paul, for hanging out with me. It's good to see you. It is great to see you, Michelle. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. We have some entertainment news that we're going to plug through real quick. We're going to look at some movies that you may want to see and give you a little inside look, a little help so you can know before you go. But first, yes, the news. Entertainment news. So in the news today, Paul and friends watching, Cindy Williams has passed away. Now for some of, especially Gen X in particular, and those of the younger generation who like to watch reruns, Cindy Williams was best known for a couple of things. She had some roles in what used to be, what was Happy Days. Happy Days was like a huge Thing in the 70s and there were a few shows that came off of them like Mork and Mindy with Robin Williams the non-stop laugh attack of that show and Laverne and Shirley which Cindy Williams was part of she passed away at the age of 75 and one thing that her family in particular wanted people to know is that she had a deep faith they know where she's going. And that's a, it's a tough thing in the world. That's the hardest thing to go through is the death of a loved one. But having a hope beyond the, what we're living today, there's nothing like it. What do you yeah, think? I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Cindy Williams was truly a force in the entertainment industry. When, when Laverne and Shirley was really popular, which probably predates most of your listeners, it was one of the top rated shows on TV. Laverne and Shirley, both of the actresses who played them, Cindy Williams and Penny Marshall, they got the unheard of price of $90,000 per episode, which of course is chump change now. But back in the day, it was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. And she was delightful in that. She was in American Graffiti too. I did not realize until just now that that she was she was a woman of deep faith so that makes me she was always a very likable actress makes me like her even more I know that oftentimes you have actors and actresses with an essence and when someone has a deep faith that essence is you can almost see it but I've almost forgot about American Graffiti an absolute classic the first appearance of Harrison Ford by the way in movies and she played a role with uh, Howard. Um, Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Yes. So, Before he became a director. <laughs> yeah, crazy. <laughs> After he was already Opie, though. So if you don't know what that means, <laughs> look it up. That's just some really 
freaking amazing actors and actresses, Richard Dreyfus as well yeah. in American Graffiti's people that are icons in American filmmaking came out of that and Cindy Williams is one of them. So this is the movie that keeps on giving. It was made in fact Nicolas Cage was in one iteration left behind and the left behind book series and left behind series for kids which you can find information out about on y'all's website plugged in plugged in.com they will review movies and youtube channels television shows video games music books anything pop culture and pretty much you can find it there and get a little inside look but this was a book series. It was made a couple of times into a movie. And it is out again in the movie because it's such a good telling of a historical event. Yeah. That hasn't it happened happen. yet. Exactly. Why don't we look at the um, trailer right quick and then we'll talk a little bit about it. If someone had told me that millions of people were just going to disappear, I, like you, would have said they were crazy. Was it the rapture? Yes. Yes, it was. Are you sure? Are you really sure? I saw it happen. Those weren't vanishings. It wasn't the rapture. The rapture was debunked on the first day. The second wave of vanishings has thrown the financial markets back into chaos. Trust me. You want to make sure you're on the right team. You're already teaching them the art of fake news? I just wish I could see you one more time. Why are you still here? Because I asked God to leave me behind. We don't need to look for magic. They're not a bunch of religious wackos like my mom. Fortunately, we have a solution. We can implement Eat and Pay worldwide in a matter of weeks. That's just a little inside into Left Behind. I have not seen it yet. Have you? I have seen it, yes. I have even reviewed it. It's, it is an interesting movie. I think that as popular as the books were, 80 million copies of these books were sold over the course of 16 novels. Obviously, Jerry Jenkins, Tim LaHaye were the authors, had a chance actually to talk with Jerry Jenkins when he was really, when he was putting out these stories. Super, super nice guy. Um, And as cinematic as the books are, I don't think that the movies have quite done them justice always. This movie is actually a little bit of a step above. It's a, It has some nice writing. It has some nice acting. Even uh, humor, right from what I see. It, it is funny, which you wouldn't expect. It has some really, it has some pretty decent moments. Now, there's still plenty of room to grow here. And I would like to see this sort of extend on. The movie sort of takes place they change it a lot from the books. They update it. The social media is a huge deal here, which didn't even exist when the original books were written. And I want to just input there. Thank you. It makes it very relevant. And the reason why I think that's important is that this, the rapture, if you're a, a Bible believer, there are some ideas. The rapture is a thing in the Bible. Now, when it takes place without getting deep into theology, pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and frankly, I don't really care as long as I'm part of the group. The thing is, though, because this is based on something that is believed to happen in the future, 
updating is really important. Back in the 70s, there were some movies. Do you remember those movies that, that had to deal with the rapture? And if, Oh, yeah. And they re-showed them in the 80s. They they scared as a little kid. Oh, my gosh, they scared the bejesus out of me. I mean, these people <laughs> with 666 written on their foreheads. It was just really creepy and really weird. But it's important to have something that's updated that you can relate to that is current because of the very fact that it's set in the near possible in the future. future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what this story really takes place. And you're absolutely right. In terms of the updating, when you look at some of the technical technological advances that we're dealing with now, you can totally see how they might filter into some sort of end times narrative. And definitely when you look at this particular movie, talking about this really powerful social media network called Eden, they're using that essentially to become this world bank. After everybody, after millions of people have been raptured up, no one's calling it the rapture because of course that's been debunked by the experts. But when they are gone, the world is in chaos. And so this big overlord, so this this Zuckerberg character steps in and says, I will volunteer my huge social network, which 7 billion people belong to, uh, as a banking organization, a way that people can buy groceries and whatever else they need. And that, of course, moves into the area where that's how 666, the mark of the beast, sort of comes to fruition. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting movie, to be sure. It gets a little too political for me in places. There are definitely some references to COVID and whatnot. And so you definitely will have to wade through those as you watch. But again, I think in terms of the writing, in terms of the acting, I think we're seeing a little bit of an improvement within this series. I'm glad you mentioned the politics because I'm tired of politics everywhere. But the interesting news story behind this is that it has already surpassed the $3 million mark. And that's really huge. People care about this kind of stuff. People are interested in this kind of stuff. People want more of this kind of stuff. And Hollywood is left going, Oh my gosh, what do we do? This is a huge market. There's money to be had here. We went in on this. But Often all they have to offer is Noah and rock monsters. Really? (laughs) Oh, boy, I get that reference so well. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying, people. Just saying. So it's opened a market for faith-based people. Really, Left Behind reads almost like a who's who of people of faith in Hollywood in in a lot of ways. Yeah, it really does. There's some very well-known actors here. Kevin Sorbo, obviously, is in it. Corman Birdson is in it, who you recognize from, from L.A. Law. It has some people who you will recognize from things outside the Christian sphere. But yeah, when you're talking about $3 million, that's no joke. Some Oscar hopefuls have made far less than that. So you can see that there is a lot of... When you make a movie... For Christians, oftentimes turn out to see it. And Hollywood's a business. There is money to be made if you do it and do it well. But you have to respect the audience. And I think we have talked often about superhero movies, right? We had a period in the 70s, 80s, 90s where people were making superhero movies that didn't understand the audience. It didn't quite get 
who they were really talking to. And so a lot of times those movies were bad and the core audience turned away from them. I think sometimes what we see within the Christian world too is is that, that Hollywood makes these movies, they think, oh, this is going to be great. We have big-name actors, big-name directors, but those actors and directors don't know who their audience is. Yeah, that's well put. An interesting side note, you mentioned superhero movies. Do you think that they're ever going to... We have just... That's all that's been the big-budget films, re- almost all, has been these superhero movies. And I'm almost wondering, as much as I've enjoyed them, if they're going to have to go on their way out because where do they go we've seen the last few it to me has started to not maybe go back to not really knowing their audience they've gotten a little too right. uh, silly they've gone over yeah. uh, thor for example it was just over the top silly and speaking of political having to throw in the politics thing in there we've seen a wonder woman who she's flawless and there's no fun what's fun with that how do you relate to that so i'm wondering what you if you feel as we see an upsurgence of faith films and people looking for something really real and maybe that ultimate superhero that we see in Jesus Christ uh, are the superhero films of the early 2000s and up to through 2020 are they on their way out it's a really great question think that so far there is no sign that we are losing our interest in superhero as long as they make money That's exactly right. They keep making money. Black Panther Wakanda Forever was one of the biggest grossing movies of last year. Now, that said, I do think that there is a saturation point and you do have the stories becoming wilder and weirder in some ways, which. Okay, here it is. The multiverse. To me, anytime now that you go into the multiverse, you're almost jumping the shark. And I think that you're not the only one who feels that way. You really, it has become so involved and so in-depth. In a way, it's almost catering to their core audience, core, core audience, too much in some respects. Because you have these really involved superhero stories in the comics. It's always been very convoluted, but that narrows the audience. So for more casual superhero fans like you and me, Michelle, I think they lose the audience that way. I think it's going to go the way of the Western. Westerns were such a huge deal through the 40s and the 50s and 60s. And then they just disappeared. Now, you still see some great Westerns out there. One or two trundles out every year, gallops onto the scene, if you will. And I think that's what we might see with superhero movies, because there's just no way that we can sustain all the movies that we're seeing. Marvel itself is going to have something like five movies, Marvel movies, out in 2023. DC is going to have another four. That's not including all the TV shows that we're seeing. There just gets to be a breaking point, I think. I'm with you. But yet we still crave, as I was saying, that ultimate superhero. And what is that about? And sometimes those real stories can be just as exciting as some of the made-up ones. And one in particular that I'm curious about is the George Foreman film. Now, I have not seen it. I understand you have not yet, but it is still, it's a, 
a story that I think is interesting because George Foreman, he was a famous boxer. He had titles that spanned two decades. If I remember right, 1973 and 1994, he was famously involved in arguably the most watched and still talked about a boxing event in the history of the sport, which is the Rumble in the Jungle with a Muhammad Ali. And if you don't remember any of that, you at least have heard of the George Foreman grill. So there's that. But yeah. this story, this movie tells a little bit more about George Foreman and his faith because he went right. from boxer to preacher and his faith is a huge part of his story. So I'm looking forward to that. And I wanted to get that out there because that might be something you are interested in seeing or looking at as yeah. far and, as and let me just, let me just actually riff on that a little, little bit because I know something <laughs> So, yeah, when in the 1973, when he won his title for the first time, he was a terrifying figure. He was very intimidating, one of the most brutal, vicious boxers that had been on the scene for a long time. That rumble in the jungle, I believe that Muhammad Ali, who was a three, he became a three, four time heavyweight champion. He was the underdog because Foreman was such a force of nature, very quiet, very taciturn. By 1994, when he won his next title, he was funny. He was upbeat. He was alive. Everybody loved him. This was just before the grill came out. And a lot of that had to do, his turnaround had to do with the faith that he found. So I think that this is going to be a really fascinating story. I can't wait to see it, actually. I think I'm uh, I'm going to be very interested to see how this sort of develops in, in the movie. Indeed, I am with you. There was a movie that you had mentioned that we might want to talk about, a PG film. What was that? That was The Amazing Maurice. Oh, okay, okay. The Amazing, the Amazing Maurice. Maurice. What is the Amazing Maurice about? So it is a <laughs> it is a story about a talking cat and his his many pals that are talking rats and this human that they take along to swindle people out of money. <laughs> Essentially, they they have this pretty good shtick going on where they go to these various towns and they, they try to convince these people that there's a huge plague of rats going on. And so Keith, the human, pretends to be a piper that leads them out of town, the Pied Piper. They go to a particular town that seems to be having a rat problem because there's a lot of food that's going missing. But as they inspect the sewers, there's actually no rats. So what's going on? This is a really clever story. It has a lot of talk about the power of story and how stories manifest themselves. It has it, it is cleverly told. It has some unique characters. But as you can see from the trailer, it is also literally dark. And it has some dark moments to it. The, not all the rats make it a lot of here alive. You do see some dangerous peril here and there. And so there's that. just some disturbing <laughs> images. Okay, uh, okay. The other thing to, to be wary of is this was based on a book by Terry Pratchett. 
as you can see, he was a famous humanist, and you can see those humanist elements in the in the tale. The rats actually follow this sacred book of theirs. It's actually the Adventures of Mister Bunsey, which is obviously, but they take it as reality, and they they are presented this utopian view of society that they quest for. You could see that sacred book as an analogy to the Bible. You could talk about that utopian society that the rats are sneaking, that are hoping for, as an analogy to heaven. And obviously, that's all debunked during the course of the movie. It's a really fun story, but in terms of some of its underlying humanism, it's something that that parents might want to watch out for. I think it's a reminder One of the reasons why we do this to give you information so you can know before you go, make the best decision for you and your family. But it is a reminder that everything and everyone has a worldview. What is your worldview? Don't be afraid to check that worldview. Don't be afraid to take that worldview and its logic to the end and see where it ends up. Because there's only one real true worldview that just stands up. It just does. And that's one of the reasons why you and I adhere to a biblical worldview, because it, it, it really does stand up. That's you know, what more can you say? So whether it's a kid's movie or whether it's a Bible movie, still check your worldview and think it through. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying about that. One thing I wanted to make a quick mention of is that Plugged In every year does Plugged In Movie Awards. You give your pluggies out. And I wanted to just <laughs> briefly, if you could, just tell us what the movie awards are all about. You bet. The Plugged In Movie Awards, there really are opportunity. Oftentimes at Plugged In, we, we we tell people what is wrong with movies, right? This is our opportunity to talk a little bit about what we love in some of the movies that we've seen. We're able to look at them from an artistic point of view as well as a moral point of view. We look for movies that have really great art and really great messages, and we nominate uh, five of them in four categories. So each category that we nominate for has five movies in it. And the categories are best movies for kids, for teens, for adults, and best Christian movie. It is always one of my favorite times of year because I get to fight with all of my coworkers over what I think <laughs> is the best. And that can get pretty, pretty intense at times. I love the conversation that we have in terms of as we fight for the movies that we really felt hit the mark for us. And here's another kind of exciting thing that's happening. You can check out all the nominees over on our website. We have blogs on each one of the categories that lists our five nominees in each one of them. But an exciting thing that we're doing for the very first time, Michelle, is we're actually doing a live stream of the awards themselves. Oh, that's excellent. We are going to be debating these nominees live on a number of different platforms on March 7th. And we'll be actually making our choices live on that live stream. So you will get to see us maybe punch each other if we get a little too angry. In Jesus' name. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be able to see the conversations that we tend to have at the plugged in offices, and you'll be able to maybe get an idea of some movies that might be fit for you and your family as well. So uh, it's kind of a fun time of year for us. So as a transition, in just a few moments, we're going to be speaking with an actor, a stage actor, who 
is in a fairly new, but I got to say it's already a classic style hit, Ain't Too Proud, The Temptation Story. Have you heard of it or seen it? I have not. No, I have not. Okay. This, let's just watch the trailer together, shall we? Or take a listen as you're listening to the podcast. I know you want to leave me, but I refuse to let you go. If I have to beg, please. the story of the temptations from their humble beginnings in Detroit to an international cross-cultural phenomenon but it's called ain't too proud and I would almost call it temptation because it really (laughs) shows the the story of what happens when fame and the temptations of fame and success become too much. When you're giving your all for something and back to worldview, if it's not on something that's really solid and eternal with those kind of values, then things can fall apart quickly. And you see the struggle, you see the depression, drug use. It is really tastefully interwoven because it is part of the story. There's for families, yeah, there's some swear words, there's some drug use, but again, tastefully woven to tell the true tale rather than just glossing over it. It is interesting that some of these men came from faith beginning, but it's so easy to lose your way when fame is the ultimate instead of faith. It's freaking amazing. And the talent and the music, it's really delightful. So we are going to be speaking with one of the actors in just a few moments. So. Stand tuned for that one. It'll be fun. Paul, thanks for hanging out with me today. As you're watching, listening, viewing, reading, you can go to PluggedIn.com. They do a great job there in giving you information. I love that they're not preachy about, you should not see this if you are a good person and you have values and morals and faith. They just say, hey, this is what's going on. You make that decision for your family. That's a way to, it's a way to conduct yourself. I like that. Respect, (laughs) man, respect. (laughs) It's all about respect, right? We want to respect our audience to know what's best for them and their family. We just try to tell you what's in it and hopefully maybe be a little entertaining along the way. We'll we'll see if that works or not. I appreciate it. And Paul, by the way, is the author of many books. And you've heard me, if you are a longtime listener, refer to Paul as the man who could spiritualize burnt toast because he can take... (laughs) anything he watches, sees, or experiences, and pull out something that can be a learning lesson. And I have loved that about Paul. In fact, it's been something that I've tried to incorporate into my life, into my learning, into even to my writing. And I appreciate that so much, Paul. It's just, it's glorious. But you've also written the book, Beauty and the Browns, which is, if you can believe it, the funniest book you could ever read on (laughs) depression. It does not make sense when I say it that way, but trust me if you or someone you know is it has experienced or is living with depression this is a book especially for those of us who love those people to give you a little inside look so that's a little diddly about my friend paul and paul hey thank you so much for joining me today i appreciate you 
always a super duper pleasure. Thank you so much, Michelle. God bless. Roll out the red carpet. Here's Michelle. Yeah, we got the red carpet today for my guest. As I told you, can expect some really big things today because I saw the projection of Ain't Too Proud. It's the temptation story. And much like a lot of what you'll see on Broadway, oftentimes you can get this glorious mix of entertainment and a little bit of history. It's a way that we tell our history. And as, as wonderful as movies can be, I think Broadway really nails it. From Hamilton to Jersey Boys to this temptation story. This is a glorious time for me because I just saw the production last night, so I'm still buzzing. <laughs> and it was great. E. Clayton Cornelius joins us. You are currently playing Paul Williams, who was one of the original Temptations. Welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. It's uh, an honor. You have oh. a lot of energy. <laughs> I love it. Clayton, I have to say, this is one of my favorite productions, and I have seen a lot. It is mesmerizingly entertaining it is so well done and you are a spectacular performer and here you are on stage just sharing the stage with a lot of spectacular talent that must it almost seems as though you feed off of each other on stage does that happen you know what most definitely and i was i just joined the cast right before christmas and i was a little scared of Coming into something that has already been established, even though I did the original Broadway version of the show, coming into something that's already sort of put together and already has that chemistry, you just get oh. a little scared that, you know, you're going to come in and it's not going to be that or it's going to be different. And I have such a connection with, especially with the guy who plays Eddie, Jalen. He, we just took to each other so well. And I guess he was so, we have a little bit of history together. He played Simba in Lion King. I did the first national tour of Lion King. I started the tour that he was on. So I think he and I, he, really looked up to me, which is crazy to say, but he was like, I've been watching your career and I look up to you and we just really gelled as people. I guess we just left our, our windows open for energy and uh, he is a hoot. We laugh on stage. We're so connected, which is great. So I was like, this is going to be a good year for me. Yeah. And the talent is off the charts. People, I, my favorite part other than experiencing the musicals is walking outside and listening to the buzz afterwards. That's something that you don't always get to do. I'll be your eyes and ears. I'll tell you people were just, they were blown away by the talent, by some of the story as well. And that to me is the hallmark and you're a producer of Broadway plays and musicals. So I'm sure you look for more than, oh, this is, this looks fun, but there's something deeper that touches the soul. Oh, totally. As a co-producer, and thank you for even mentioning that I have co-produced on many shows and I even led a Broadway show a few years ago on Broadway, a play called Chicken and Biscuits. But other than that, I do look for shows that speak to a majority of cultures 
something that's inclusive. Not sometimes the shows can be very specific in who they bring through the door, but I love shows that can bring anyone through the door. And this show literally will bring anyone through the door who doesn't love Motown music, mm-hmm. who hasn't grown up with Motown music or share Motown music with their kids or family and the music that still lives on to this day in our generation. So, And something that is stunning, we all enjoy the music of the temptations there's not anyone of any age in that audience who hasn't heard the music we get it for free but when you watch this production you realize that nothing's really free somebody paid the price for that and sometimes fame is that thing and here you are a famous guy does some of that ring true with maybe the stories that you've seen in real life Totally. I think about my own life, how I paid the price of not really getting to see family. Performers don't stop working. Over holidays is when we actually do our most shows, like Christmas or something like that. And this past Christmas, because I told you I joined the tour before Christmas, I spent Christmas in Vegas hoping that I would see some of my friends who were actually there, who I don't usually hang out with, and her family was there, so I got to spend time with her, and my business partner lives in Vegas. But I didn't get go. I didn't get to go home to my family for the regular thing, and it was a little disappointing. It was a little like, wow, here's another holiday I'm going to miss, you know what I mean, because I'm taking this new job opportunity with Ain't Too Proud. But at the end of the day, it is worth it to be a part of these spectacular tours or spectacular shows and you i think back on my life and think how great of all the things that i've done and all these accolades that i've accrued over the years but then you go i missed that birthday and i missed that wedding and i missed that thing it's a balancing act and for so many people in the entertainment industry and really in life, <clears throat> it's that balancing act. You have to be grounded in something. What grounds The family does ground me. When I'm with my family, that's my father died in 2015 and he always gave me words of wisdom. And I've been in the business for 25 years, so I, I'm blessed to have a reputation of a good work ethic and always staying true to myself and I have fun on the jobs that I've I've done, but family, having a good childhood and we don't always get that in the biz. (laughs) People who actually grow up in the biz. I think that is what sort of grounds me, I think at the end of the day. And it sounds like some of those relationships as well because a touring company becomes family. Oh, most, most definitely. The Broadway, the original Broadway company of Ain't Too Proud, we were definitely most like family. And I think that's why the most of us, the majority of us stayed with it for the five years that it was in hmm. creation. I was around the table creating this show in 2017 before it even got to Broadway in 2019. And then I spent two years of being in the show, going through COVID and coming back after oh, COVID. Yeah that so i spent a good five years with the show not even making top tier money just getting by to the next level before we got to broadway so there was a love that held me in the love of the show a love of the people coming to work laughing every day you don't get that on every show you really yeah. don't and that's where it's fun to talk with someone like you who this is your voice and you mm-hmm. found your voice you're expressing your voice you're living your voice and that inspiration i think is also grounding for people but we who are in the audience we get to see it sparkle on stage and i appreciate that about your performance you sparkle on stage man 
appreciate that. Yeah. It's funny how different things hit you emotionally. Things that we didn't understand back in the day that a song that I think for anybody that we, we may have heard and sung a thousand times, but then you get to a certain age and then you experience things in life and then you sing that same song and then you start to connect with it and go, oh, this is what it means. And that's exactly how I feel in the show. Oh, I never knew any of this, like the reason why it was written, the words that are behind it. And now that I have experienced life and now I'm playing one of these five classic men and in this part, it's like, as soon as I get to my song, I know exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Live that life and now I can get to it emotionally so much faster. And I'd like the audience to understand that. What I hear you saying is it's like you could stand up and you can read something from a book or you could read off a speech, but when you're saying it from the heart, you reach people's heart. And that to me is the it factor when you're watching a production, but it's also the people you bring a part of your soul. There was something I noticed that you're involved in that is outside of this production and that's Biv. Can we talk a bit about that? Oh, BIV. Yeah. Yeah. The Inspirational Voices is a choir that I joined in 2015. They've been in existence since 1994 and they started because of the AIDS epidemic and singing for the community that was dying around them. And it just became a thing and a staple in the Broadway community. And it's made up of all Broadway performers, all races and all creeds, all mixes of religion. And we come together and we sing all different types of genres, but we are primarily a gospel choir. And I can tell you after losing my father in 2015, when I joined the choir, it was a gift. And I remember crying at a meeting. We all just get circle up before a concert. It was my first concert. And they asked if, what, if any of the new members wanted to talk about their experience. And I just let them know that my father recently passed and I needed everybody there for their guidance. And this was my church. In our business, we don't really get to go to church all the time or have time for anything outside of what we do. So they were my church. They are my extracurricular activity when I'm home. And I put all my heart and soul into that. And I do not get paid for BIV. <laughs> they really are an inspiration and the music is great. You can yeah. go to their website. We'll put the link on. The gospel aspect, you hear that a bit in this production. I know that some of y'all have had to grown up in church singing some of those gospel songs because you can almost hear it infused. When you get that at a young age, honestly, and I talk to a lot of people who are on Broadway and I bet you've connected with people with these voices and some of that background does come from singing from a young age growing up. You grow up with that, it infuses and becomes part of your Rolodex, I guess, of talent. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. You just utilize what you've heard and what you've studied and what you've found over the years. You yeah. use all of that. Yeah. So what is your background? What got you into the business? What was it that made you realize that this was your voice? Oh, I was a nerd <laughs> back in the day. Fourth grade, I played, <laughs> I played five instruments. In fourth grade, I played the flute. And then I was the only guy in the flute section for a very long time. So I had a teacher like wanted to change that. <laughs> so it was like, let's change that. Come um, on, come you know, on. Back in the early 90s. Before 80s, you could so identify like, as a flute player. Exactly. So they're like, <laughs> we need to change this up. 
So I started playing the alto saxophone and then I played the oboe and had very good high school theater program. It's very rare. And it, even though we we're a public high school, we had a lot of money in the neighborhood, in the area. It was a very loft neighborhood, Willen Hills in Pittsburgh, which those teachers still follow me to this day. They see every production. They are the reason why I have the work ethic that I do or, and they taught me so much about theater. They come up to New York every year and see things and they come around Thanksgiving time for the parade and they see me in whatever production I'm doing and they've been such a support to me and a family to me too. Yeah, so that's how I got into theater and I went to Point Park University in Pittsburgh where I started my musical theater career and then I actually left college early and actually started working at 19 years old in mm -hmm. New York. So, so you in have been doing this a while. My yeah. Friend. So about 1996, I was doing the tour of The Wiz with Grace Jones, Peebo Bryson, Tony Terry. And oh. Oh. Yeah. Let's talk about them apples. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and if I could, seriously, I'll put a link to your website. But uh, I was just having a blast looking at some of your, <laughs> the gallery. It's uh, it's like the who's who here. It's oh, check out some of these people from Oprah yeah. to Nancy Pelosi for crying out loud. And then I don't know, maybe we should get a, a screenshot, a selfie of you and I sometime. And then, you, yeah, no. Oh, totally. <laughs> and put it up there. Totally. I would love that. I would love that. Clayton, last question. Yeah. I got to see you in Seattle and you'll you, this tour will continue and it will be a classic years from now. But what would you like the audience to maybe think about taking away from Ain't Too Proud? I think everyone should come in and literally get their own opinion of the show. But you're, I okay. feel that you should come so that you can hear great music enjoy this wonderful luscious story that everyone think they know uh, thinks they know what the temptations and what they lived through oh i saw that special the tv the tv special about them a long time ago no i can tell you this i think this is public that otis williams did not really like that tv show that was made about him and his colleagues at the time so this goes more in depth this goes into the drugs and the not so good things about the temptations, but it's real. It's real life of how we struggle with all of our different things, our different struggles. Each one went through to get to that, to the end of their story. Just come and have a good time, laugh, cry. You're going to love it. You this do laugh and cry. I don't often laugh and cry at yeah, musicals, but you really do. legitimately do. A caveat yeah. for families, there is drug use, there is, but yeah. it is... A, I have to say, it is so tastefully woven and honest. Mm -hmm. It tells a story. It's there for a reason. It's yeah. not there just for shock and awe. Or to right. get, it's really yeah. there as part of the story. Yeah. And so it doesn't come off offensive, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. well done in that. So it really is something that you can bring your family to enjoy and, and learn from. Actually, one of the best compliments that we that I heard that we received was there was a patron who came and saw the show and said, dude, I don't usually like musicals. My wife drags me, <laughs> but this wasn't like a musical. It was like real life on stage. And I loved every minute of it. Oh, it was so wonderful. And I thought, wow, we touched the heart of some guy who doesn't even like theater and we made it 
likable. We made it like he was watching a movie. You know what I mean? Really touched his heart up with the story and it really touched him. Yeah, another you know. great compliment I heard afterwards, and this is that inside look into what people were saying. I heard a couple of people say, a lot of musicals throw songs into the musical. It just seems like a mashup, like they're just trying, like they were too lazy to write their own songs, right? right. I heard every person that mentioned that say, this one was different. The songs were part, literally part of the story. It's quite a compliment to the writing yeah. of this musical. Yeah. So absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I recommend to y'all, go and see. This is a wonderful production. It is one of my top three, actually. So there you go. And I see a lot. And Hi, Michelle, live. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it has been such a pleasure to interview you. Thank you for being with us today. And thank you for liking, sharing, listening. God bless you. More entertainment at mymichellelive.com.